Well, good morning. It is a, a, a privilege to be here and to be able to to sit with my friends and to to be on this stage and share this teaching. We're in week four of this series uh, where we've been talking about uh, slow-mo. The whole point has been in weeks one and two were to um, hightail it to Jesus and then slow down. And today we're going to take that a step further. So um, I, I just like Whitney said, just just take a step back this morning, just slow down. Don't don't pay attention to me up here on the stage because I'm going to mess up. Uh, we all are. But let's pay kind of how what Jesus might have to say to us today. So here's a here, kind of how I want to start out. Regardless of where you live, who you are, what your background is, where you're from, there is a question that's been on the hearts and the minds of humanity since forever. And it doesn't matter whether you were, you know, way long ago, if you were the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, Americans, people today all have pondered this question. And here it is. Is there a God? And if there is, what is that God like? Right? I mean, we've, we've all kind of wondered about that. Maybe you haven't ever said it out loud. Probably you have. It's somebody close to you. But certainly, every one of us have wondered that internally. Is there a God? If there is, what is that God like? This isn't, this isn't a Christian thing. This isn't um, a, a Jewish thing or an Islamic thing. This is a human thing. There's just a desire inside of us to have a better understanding of the divine. It, just, it flows through all of us at some level. I've heard it described before as being like an empty spot that people try to fill with all kinds of things, but there's just something deep inside that nothing can feel, and we feel it in our deep inside of us. And that's, uh, you know, what I believe is that God spot that only God can feel. So for me, this is how I grew up thinking about God. Uh, first of all, when I was young, you, you think about God, you, you probably identify with this to some level. God is like the, the white bearded man up there somewhere out in the, in the heavens, and he's looking down on me, and he's um, making the rules. You know, he's, he's the rule maker, and I'm trying to be the one to not break the rules so I don't get in trouble with God. I believe that when I was a kid, I believed that God was my protector. He, he protected me, watched over me, but he also was ready to punish me if ever I did something wrong. And if I did something good, he would reward me. So regardless of your background or, you know, whatever, you probably have some view of God like that. He's... Um, you might think that God is the God that just created everything and then just left, wound the clock, set it on the table, went off to some other universe. Maybe you see him as that white-bearded grandfather that's ready to act on my behalf. All I have to do is just get in some trouble and I call him and, and here he comes. Maybe he's like a divine butler. He's there when I ring the bell and then when I don't need him, he just retreats back to his place for when I need him again. 
Or maybe he's like a personal guide or a counselor or a therapist. He's ready and willing to guide me through and give me advice for me to live my best life right now and help me improve in life. But it's, it's all of these questions that we wrestle with at some point. And maybe some of the questions like those that I've just mentioned are ones that you're wrestling with right now. And there's many, many more examples that you could go to. I mean, that you probably have some that would be different from the ones that I just came up with. But the point is this, we all wonder, what is he like? What is God like? What does he like? And maybe more importantly, who does he like? So we all have that, this version of God. I think God is like, and then you fill in the blank. So supposedly, they tell us now that there are about 8 billion people in the world. I don't know how we went from 6 billion to 8 billion. Well, I know how. I don't know when that happened. That we went from 6 billion to 8 billion people. But that's what experts tell us. Which means that we probably have in the world about 8 billion opinions about what God is like and what God is not like. Meaning we can spend a lifetime believing in a God that doesn't even exist. A God that's of our own creation. Which if you remember back to January, we talked about that in length, at length, about, you know, building that God. I think here at Stuttgart, Harley was here and he had the block set up here and he built that God and you could take a piece off and add a piece on, right? So maybe with all of this confusion and all of these different opinions, 8 billion or so, of what God is like and who he's like, all the hand-wringing, all the wondering that humanity is busy with, what if, just maybe, today, God is saying, stop. Just please stop. Pay attention to me. Slow down and listen to me. Just pay attention to what I've done because the answer to that question is right here. So in week one of this series, we said that step one of living a Jesus-centered, orbited life requires us to hightail it to Jesus. And when we get there at the feet of Jesus, we talked about how we need to slow down. Concept last week, got to slow down and take it in. We used the concept last week of the Sabbath. Use that concept. That concept was created and modeled by God for our benefit. We need it. And this week, we're going to add to that journey. So I've got a question for us all to think about today. Here's the question. Do you really want to know? Do you really want to learn more about the answer to those questions that we've been asking up to this point? And some of you might be asking those same questions today. Questions like, who is God? What is he like? Who does he like? Are those, do those resonate at all? Or is it just me? Are those real questions for you? Questions that you really want to know the answers to? Because the truth is, we can know. We can know the answer to those questions. So this week, we wanted to encourage you to pay ridiculous attention. And you might ask, ridic ridiculous attention to, to who? To what? This week, it's all about paying ridiculous attention to Jesus. So 
many of you probably know this account that we're about to talk about, but I'm going to give you just a little bit of background in case you don't. This is the, the night before the eventual crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, and he's celebrating his final Passover feast with his followers. This is what we would call the Last Supper in the upper room, or what um, Cole and I talked about this week uh, is actually technically called Monday Thursday. And I told the kids I was going to say Monday Thursday, and they told me not to do that. But that's what came to my mind. But that's that's kind of what it's called. Spelled A, I mean M A U N D A Y. So on Monday Thursday, the Last Supper in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples, a lot of things happened. That's a gross understatement, but a lot of things happened in that interaction with Jesus and his disciples. And much of what happened is recorded in the four Gospels, the biographies of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all share a symmetry about what happened that night, but it's actually John who tells us about a discussion that happened after Jesus had washed the feet of his disciples and had uh, predicted his own betrayal. So Judas has left the room, and everybody is probably like, well, you know, I don't know where Judas went. I guess he must have had some kind of an errand to run. And while he's out of the room, gone, left with him, betrayed Jesus, Jesus starts to talk about the disciples that are there, left with him, about God, about God the Father. And understandably, I guess, they're confused <clears throat> because they wanted to know too. Just like you, just like me, they shared some of the same questions. And it's Philip who finally speaks up, and he just bluntly says, Jesus, show us the Father, and we will believe. Jesus, let us see him with our own eyes, and we'll follow you anywhere. And this is how Jesus replies. And this is so good. Yeah, this is uh, in John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am? It's like he says, Philip, all the, these three years that you followed me, all the signs that you've seen me perform, the miracles that you've seen me perform, I even raised a man from the dead, all the times, the teaching, the hours that we spent together, and you still don't realize, Philip. Then he says this, these are the words of Jesus, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? It's as if Jesus takes a deep breath and he says, guys, all this time, these three years, you've, you've missed it. You've missed the point. Now, they're not going to miss it much longer because Jesus is about ready to die, to go to the cross, and he will remove all doubt about who he is. He's about ready to go to the cross rise from the dead. The disciples are going to see him after he's resurrected. We've talked about that many times before. They're going to talk to him. They're going to interact. They're going to eat with him. See, after that happens, these events that are about to come, Philip and all of the other disciples will know with certainty this one thing. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. Now, you might be wondering, Okay, so 
What's the implication of that? Why is this so significant? Well, here's why. It's significant because it's at the root of the greatest question in the history of humanity. It's significant because now we can answer the great question that has been on the hearts and minds of every person, regardless of their background, Egyptians, Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, Romans, Stuttgartians. The point is this, we can know what God is like. So again, I ask you this question. Do you want to know? I mean, do you really want to know? Do you want to know what the Creator is like? Do you want to know what the, the omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient Creator of the universe is actually like? Just look at Jesus. Look at what he does. Look at why he does it. That's what the Father does. Look at what he says and why he says it. That's what the Father says. Think about the irony. Billions of people wandering through life, wondering what God is like. And here he is because, as Scripture tells us, the Word became flesh and made his home among us. God gave humanity an incredible gift. He became human. And we can understand that because we're human, right? And because of that, if you know the Son, you know Jesus, you've met the Father. Which is why after hightailing it to Jesus and slowing down at his feet, we need to pay attention to what he said. We need to pay attention to what he did. We need to pay attention to who he loved and why he loved them. Pay attention to what was important to him and what wasn't. Because honestly, I wish I could make everyone do what we're talking about this week. Just for one week, I wish I could force everyone in here and myself, if I'm being honest, to really listen and pay ridiculous attention to Jesus. It would, seem, it would seem that from what Jesus is about to say in this next verse, that he would agree. So see, while Jesus was teaching his followers, he drops this little nugget. And it's, it's really important to do. It's, he's teaching his disciples, and he, he puts some emphasis on something that's really important. It almost comes across as a little bit of a sidebar, something that we might miss. But I think this is very important. This is recorded in the book of Mark, chapter 4. Jesus said this, Then he added, Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. It's interesting when you really dig down and pay ridiculous attention to Jesus, what he did and what he said, you discover that Jesus, more than any other person in recorded history, has impacted the world in a positive way, which is another gross understatement. I understand that. But it's true. We can talk to people who don't even necessarily align with my viewpoint or your viewpoint about other things concerning God and scripture and and even they can't help but
agree that Jesus changed things for the better. The world is different because of what he taught, what he did, and what he left behind, the, the church. So let me give you a quick example of what I'm talking about. And I'm going to be totally transparent. This was a quote that, that Cole kind of put me onto. And after looking at it and discussing it, I think this really makes a point of what we're, we're saying about people who may not necessarily line up with everything that we believe, but could understand by looking at Jesus and people that follow Jesus how the world has been impacted. So let me give you this example. This is a quote from a woman uh, named Linda Hirschman. Now, she is definitely someone who does not share my belief system at all. She is a, a lawyer who holds a Juris Doctorate from the University of Chicago Law and a PhD in philosophy. And she is also a lot more educated than I am. And if you've ever read her work, and maybe you have and maybe you haven't, you'll know that she does not land on the same page as me or Cole or Harley or most people in this room on a lot of stuff. But at this point, in spite of that, here's what she had to say about Christianity and from an interaction that she had while working on a case with someone who was a Christian. She said, and it's a little weird but not completely unfamiliar that someone of a religious background would stand up for the human dignity of great sources involved, and she's talking about in this case. Christianity is actually one of the great sources of egalitarianism. Every person has a platonic soul, and they have equal value. Let me break that down just a little bit. There's some big words there, egalitarianism, a platonic soul. You know, what do those things mean? Well, egalitarianism simply is a belief or doctrine that people all have equal rights. They deserve equal opportunity in, uh, in treatment. Platonic soul just means that it can be described as the idea of there's more to a person than just our human body. Even though she doesn't consider herself to be a follower or someone who subscribes to biblical worldview at all, she can't help but acknowledge that Jesus and his church are different. She saw that from interacting with people who believe in Jesus. It's what Jesus did and what he brought made things better than what existed before. That equality, the, the treatment of people. If you look down through the history of Christianity, you'll see that it has impacted the world in a very positive way. Jesus meant for us to be different. So my point is this, and I'm switching gears here just a little bit, but even if you don't like the church, even if you have rejected all religion, even if you think all of this stuff is just made up fairy tales, Maybe your view of the church has been negatively affected by the church itself. And maybe you've been effectively negative by the church and people connected with the church, but not Jesus. I would encourage you to remove what you know about me or the church and just get to know Jesus. You might be shocked at what you might discover. I've heard it said that I heard this all through my life growing up that you might be the only Jesus that someone ever sees. So you need to act this way, behave this way, say this right thing and all that. 
I've said it before, I'm sure, teaching kids or teenagers over the years. I've probably said something like that. Go out into the world and be like Jesus. You might be the only Jesus that somebody ever sees. And I was thinking about that. If that's true, then that's a sad state of affairs for people that I come in contact with. Because if people look at me, people look at Cole, people look at Harley, good as those guys are, as much as I love them, as much as I act with, if we are the only Jesus that those people interact with, that's not enough. We need to see the real Jesus. Now, we need to try our best to point people to Jesus, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But Jesus is who we need to pay ridiculous attention to. So with that in mind, here's what I'd like for us to do quickly this morning. What if today we just quickly looked at a list of things that one of the gospels says about Jesus to help us kind of focus in this week to start to pay attention to Jesus and what he said and what he did. So let's look in the book of Matthew, and we're not going to read a bunch of scriptures. These are just going to kind of be paraphrased. But listen to what the book of Matthew says about Jesus. Someone who walked, talked, studied under, listened to, observed the things that Jesus did. These are the things that he wrote. He wrote that Jesus spent more time praying than he did speaking. He wrote that Jesus enjoyed spending time with self-confessed sinners. And they became some of his best friends. He liked hanging out with people who were not trying to look good or just spin things. He liked people who were honest about who they were and their flaws. Jesus hated it when people hid behind religious activity and rule keep. He was more interested in intimacy with God than in religion. Jesus told his followers to jump into culture like a lamp in a dark room, to not isolate and insulate from the sinful world. Jesus spoke openly about eternal separation from God for those who don't believe and instead choose self-reliance. Jesus hated when people prayed or served or sacrificed to boost their standing in society or to feed their egos, but Jesus loved secret acts. Jesus was quick to forgive the repentant and quick to condemn those who weren't. Jesus said the richest people are those who banked a lifetime of action that honored God. Jesus told us to ignore big talkers, but do small actions, and honor small talkers who do big actions. Jesus spent a great deal of time wielding his power and his authority over demonic spirits and destroying the works of evil. Jesus loved celebrations. He loved to enjoy himself with his friends and his followers to the point that he was falsely accused of public drunkenness. Jesus told his disciples hard work. They would have to put skin in the game, personal investment, risk, hard work, to join with him to advance his kingdom. He won't just baby us or do it for us. Jesus said our loyalty to him and his way should outweigh our loyalty to our biological family, to our traditions, our practices. We only have one true parent, and that's a title claimed by God himself. 
Jesus told us not to focus energies on fighting sin, but to do everything we can to encourage growth. Being less interested in what we're against and more interested in what we're for. Jesus recognized how we forget, and he kept urging his followers to listen and to remember what he said and what he did. You peel all the layers away from everything that you think you know, and you know what you discover? Jesus is exactly what you're looking for. Matthew makes Jesus almost sound perfect, doesn't it? So do you know him? Do you want to know him? Have, have you been hurt by someone who carries the title of Christian? I have. My family has. Pay attention to Jesus. Have you been hurt by someone who holds power over you? Pay attention to Jesus. Do you want to understand better how to love and honor and serve? Probably know where I'm going. Pay attention to Jesus. Do you know wanna do you want to know how to treat him or her, them, they? Pay attention to Jesus. You want to know how to respond and react to situations? Pay attention to Jesus. If your perspective and your opinion about Jesus is based upon me or other people who make up this church, then yeah, we've probably let you down. Probably hurt you. Or we will at some point. If your opinion about Jesus is based on religion and 2,000 years of mistakes and missteps, then yeah, you probably don't like him very much. And you know what? If I knew your story, I'd probably agree with you. Which is why this morning I'm encouraging you to pay ridiculous attention to Jesus. I think you're going to like what you discover. Watch this with me. I get the impression that that man had paid ridiculous attention to Jesus. So, see, for every description of who Jesus is, there's a reason. There's, there's an encounter. For everything that we know about Jesus, there was a life that was changed and a story in Scripture. So here's our next step this week. It's very simple, but not really. Go discover Jesus for yourself. Even if you think you already know everything there is to know, do it. Just look at Matthew. Look at that list. Think about that that we talked about today, that list doesn't even scratch the surface. I believe it's in the book of John that says, if everything that Jesus did were written down, the books, the world itself would not be able to contain the books that would be written. That's just scratching the surface. But if you really dig down, what you're going to find out is, when we slow down, pay ridiculous attention to Jesus, our ridiculous descriptions of him are obliterated, which makes a way for the real Jesus to begin pulling us into that gravitational orbit around him that we've been talking about. I hope you know him today. 
If you don't know him today, I hope you will make a step today to get to know him. Don't, don't look at me. Don't look at the people around you. Look at Jesus and pay ridiculous attention to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be here today. And thank you that we can know the answer to these questions. We can know what you're like. Because you've given us the person of Jesus who came and walked on the earth and and lived the sinless life that we couldn't live. He died on a cross and was resurrected to save us from our sins. Thank you that those things are recorded, that we can still see them today and we can know and believe and trust in you. Help us today to pay ridiculous attention to you and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.